thank you for joining me here at the Professor Notes. Grab a drink and sit down and let's have a chat. And when we're done, feel free to join me over at theprofessornotes.com and let me know what you thought of today's conversation. This is the first podcast from PodCamp Pittsburgh 2. I sat down with Chris Brogan, one of the initial founders of the PodCamp culture, and we had a chat about everything from podcasting through podcasting and education. You'll notice that there's an echo because we recorded it in an art room at the Pittsburgh Art Institute. Also, a little bit of, I don't know, uh, radio interference. But sit back and enjoy. I think you'll like this podcast. I'm sitting here with Chris Brogan, who, as I understand, is the father of PodCamps. Is that correct? I'm a co-founder. So a gentleman named Christopher S. Penn and myself made these back in, well, the first one launched in September of 2006. Okay. In fact, I first heard about PodCamp from... uh, a podcast I was listening to at the time, Teaching for the Future. Sure, Dave Lamort. Yeah, which comes out of Boston. And he actually gave us one of our plugs at Father-Son Chats. So it was kind of cool. Oh, that's great. Uh, now, how long have you been with podcasting? Uh, I started really early. Well, I started spring about 2006. And then I just went into a lot of directions at once. And before that, I had been listening and absorbing podcasts, probably summer of 2005. So what's your favorite podcast then? What's my favorite podcast? For video, I don't miss something to be desired. Uh, I think Father Son Chats is a good one I've heard in <laughs> audio. My son's sitting over there pointing to himself going, hours, hours. It's a good, it's a good show, I'm told. I, uh, <laughs> Rumor has it. Yeah. Both, both listeners support that. <laughs> it turns out I'm... Yeah. Hi, Mom. It turns out that I'm... I'm I tend to be a lot more eclectic now. People will send me something and go, check out this either video or audio, and I, I do a lot of that. Okay. Yeah, I've, I found that uh, I've, I've gone from lots of science podcasts to obviously the Twit stuff, uh, Teaching for the Future. I, I'm pretty excited about what I was hearing you talking about with Grasshoppers. Oh, sure. Could you tell me a little bit about Grasshoppers? So Grasshoppers is a social networking group that we put together, and it's it resides in a couple places. The sort of headquarters would be on a social do-it-yourself social network site called Ning, and so it's grasshoppers.ning.com. So but there's also N I N G N I N G, and like Nancy, uh, and there's also a group on Facebook. So you could join in either spot. It's not really location bound, but basically it's a simple social media group, and the goal is to answer the question: How can I be helpful? And it could be anything. Do you have job advice for someone? Is somebody looking for a job? Are you uh, needing help building a website? Do you have somebody who... We had a, a very interesting situation where a, a woman's husband fell quite a distance and got very hurt and was out of work for a good time. So we found a way to get money raised for them. So that's sort of what we're doing. Yeah, that's why it really intrigued me is this notion of people helping people, which is just a people-oriented type of thing. I mean, if you go visit my blog at theprofessornotes.com, I, I'm very political. I tend to be more to the right of center, uh, but that doesn't mean that people shouldn't be helping people no matter what side of the, the aisle you happen to be sitting on. So I, well, I'm always it. happy when I hear that. One of the things that I'm doing is podcasting for education. And if you were to be talking to college students uh, and recommend podcasting to them, what sort of innovative ways could you recommend using podcasting for them as students? Zachary Pogue from uh, Duke University, and I can't remember his partner that worked on the, the project down there. One of the things they did is they had college students reading their papers uh, for audio podcasts. And it turned out that, you know, if you had to give a you know five-page paper or a short paper, reading it became a lot different than what you'd hand in for when you handed in text. Because it seemed that people were a little more willing to hand in junk if it was just going to go onto a desk. But if you're going to listen to it in a whole room full of people, 
you started to pay attention to how you produced and how you presented. And it turned out the quality of work rose when all the students had to listen to each other's audio podcast of a report. No, so they actually played it for each other. Yes. So do they'd have. Do you know how they did that, or uh, how they played them on a like an iPod with some speakers? But just in the classroom. Sure. Okay. So they didn't require you to listen to it, then come back and discuss it later or something. Not so much, but they did have the opportunity. I think that you could actually roll them into a podcast and actually download them to a portable device or down to your laptop or wherever you're consuming your media, and then you could do that. I mean, you could say. Here's somebody's paper. Let's listen to it ahead of time and bring the discussion to class, or let's discuss it in class. So they'd play one, and then everybody'd have a group talk about it. So that'd be the first time they consumed it. Okay. Uh, what What other advice would you have for anybody interested in in listening to podcasts? Uh, for instance, I've recorded my lectures, and I'm telling students, "Hey, you can do this." And where I am, many students have never heard of podcasting. So the first one a student came back and said he found was Ask a Ninja. Ah. There you go. And he was pretty excited about that. What other advice do you have for helping students explore the world of podcasting? Well, so the reason Harry Potter is a good book isn't because Harry Potter is a good series of books. It's because it gets kids to read. And it's a gateway drug for other really good reading. So what would be the gateway drug for podcasting? Uh, anything that's going to snatch your attention. Jet Set is a good video podcast. It's at jetsetshow.com. And it's good for the teen crowd and... You know, probably, you know, the first and second year college students would find something fun in it. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Now, easy places to find and consume. Uh, the iTunes application has a podcast tab, and lots of times people don't even notice it's there. Go ahead and take a look, and there's tons of audio and tons of video, and you can find the stuff you like. Then you can start kind of Googling around for the topic that matters to you. You might be into... Uh, cars. There's plenty. Gimp.tv is a company that makes really, really good video podcasts about cars and things like that. Should you be interested in that? There's tons of footage there. So there's probably someone making a show that is, appeals to you. And if not, then you can make it. The gear doesn't cost so much and it's getting easier to create your own media. So make your own. So as they say, sweet. Right. <laughs> now, what, what advice then for Jeff or uh, faculty members uh, stayed uh, conservative faculty members who don't want to try anything different. I mean, you've, the reason we're at PodCamp is to learn how to do this stuff. Sure. Now, we sought out PodCamp. Uh, how, how would you encourage faculty members who haven't been doing these sorts of things? Well, so any part of communication is trying to reach your audience on their plane. And a faculty member has information to distribute. The notion is that the information has to be given in the way that the person's consuming it. There's a real lot of ways to make YouTube your classroom, and faculty can choose to ignore this, or they can say, oh, I notice a lot of people are using portable media. They're using things like audio and video podcasts. How can I translate my work to that format? It isn't the same as standing and lecturing and having one camera sit dully in the corner and watch that. There's editing involved. If you sit at nighttime and watch your television, no matter what it is except for court, on, on uh, court TV, if you look at the wall to the side of where the shot is being made, you'll see the flicker of the, the different cuts of the video. You have to start to talk in the language of video if you're going to shoot video or an audio the way the person's ready to consume it. So maybe baby steps in for uh, faculty who are seeking to do this and not sure how you could do your, your lectures in audio. That's a good start. If you choose to do video, pull out sort of the pull quotes of what's important to you and sort of the, the, the sound bites of it and then bring them to the, the audio lecture. Maybe it becomes you know, the gateway there so that you could shoot something fun. And with video, there's other ways you can use the medium. You could do slide, uh, slide casting and take a whole bunch of uh, video slides of, of your work, you know, just sort of step, uh, step through while you're talking over a slide deck. That's, that's kind of an easy way to get in. Screen casting if your topic is technology. 
Yeah, I've been using that for um, the answers to homework problems. I stepped through how do you solve the homework problem so we don't have to take class time to actually go through the solution on the board. If you, I'll give you the answer, and if you didn't get it right, you go ahead and uh, check out the video, and if you still don't understand it, give me a shout. And this isn't expensive. I mean, there's, schools all have a budgetary issue to, to worry about as well, and there's a lot of free and inexpensive ways to start trying out this technology. There's a lot of ways that people can get engaged and trial things in a way that maybe doesn't feel permanent and doesn't feel like you wasted money out of the uh, school's budget. Yeah, I've been real fortunate. Penn State, well, obviously I paid, uh, some of the stuff I pay out of pocket just because sure. I, I think technology is fun and Matthew and I have a lot of fun with it. Uh, but Penn State has, a, has an office dedicated to in, introducing technologies into the classroom. Cole Cam Police leads the Educational Technology Services Group and they've provided me some support uh, but they're providing support to the whole university facebook uh, they're interested in how we play in that social space they're bringing blogging to the masses Great. through a blog initiative we're coming up with a digital commons initiative at every penn state campus all 20 i think they're rolling it out to all 24 ultimately for students to be able to do video themselves audio themselves uh, blogging and those sorts of things so they're making it as affordable to get to your point of it's cheap so a little bit about you then. I mean, we talked about when you started podcasting. What do you want any listener I may have to know about Chris and, and what you do in Boston or where you are, which is close to Boston, I guess? Sure. Um, it, so one of the things, basically the thing I do every single day is try to establish and maintain relationships using digital technology to real life communities and or digital communities. So what I do with all of the media I make, what I do with all of the social networking services I use, the Facebooks, the Twitter and all that, is I work on establishing a relationship with people that matter to me. And it could be that I'm talking about interesting technology and I want the technology universe to know about that. It could be that I'm reaching out to real life local physical communities and saying, here's how you could use some of these tools in your neighborhood to actually bring engagement. I have some friends working on Church 2.0, and the idea is that you can take uh, you could take video of church seminars and bring it out to the people who can't get there because they're used to watching it on television doesn't mean that you can't get it to them in other portable formats. The church seminars? Sure, absolutely. We're talking Episcopalian, uh, Lutheran, God Unitarian in Massachusetts? Well, you know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> There's a, I mean, I, 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 uh, you know, I, I think it crosses all of them except for maybe those religions that choose not to use any kind of technology. Okay. Not so many good Quaker podcasts. <laughs> the Amish are not exactly that's working right. with the hand-cranked wooden uh, pod machines. That's absolutely it. But, I, you know, I, I basically that's what people should know is that these tools aren't the tool. It's, it's, it's a way to get a relationship going. And so the fact that you're doing father and son chats is a way to say, you know, it's nice to have a good relationship conversation going. And it's... It's a way to preserve time in your life. I mean, 10 years from now, you can look back at what you guys were talking about, what mattered, and that's kind of fun, too. As we say, we are. Yeah, you can't hear my son, but in the background, you say we are. He comes back with... Penn State. There you go. You know, so I guess it could be a good sports brainwashing tool. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Penn State shirt before I knew anybody from Pennsylvania. We're going to take care of that again for you. I like that. Uh, and it, So if we want, people want to find out more information about you or what you're doing, where can they go? Uh, chrisbrogan.com is my blog my last name is b-r-o-g-a-n and you can find me a million different ways through google I'm, I'm i'm living my life online you can't not see pictures of me movies of me whether or not they're embarrassing all over the web <laughs> well thank you very much i appreciate you taking these 10 minutes out with me thanks steve appreciate it